Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Nothing wrong with Ashley Furniture, but I, Duke's <laughs> going to go like Ethan Allen or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to go. SI's Pat Forty. I, I think Ethan Allen, which sounds like the name of a Duke walk-on, got to be the way they would go. <laughs> Eat them all. I mean, can you imagine the onside kick specialist diving in the portal right now to, uh, <laughs> to go kick there? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Sam Houston State. 23, Pat 40, South Dakota State, Jackrabbits 21. Once again, I'm right, you're wrong. <laughs> once again, wait <laughs> yeah, a minute. Yeah, once again. My FCS record was great until then. I, it was like I don't remember two and that. one or something. <laughs> I don't remember. What happened to the FCS minute? <laughs> yeah. It had a good, yeah, what it had a good run. It was a short Somebody run. It was, was 100 meter dash. About that. Yeah, didn't, the minute was like five seconds. <laughs> didn't make it. We couldn't. <laughs> Too many chicken wars. Yeah, that's thing. Our yeah. podcast time is so valuable, we can't spare a minute that's, for the FCS. Uh, you hear the the, the uh, sparkling voice of uh, Pete. It's back. You're back. Uh, we're going to get some details from his trip to the Carolinas, his gas trouble, if there was any. Fuel trouble. We heard he was listening to the podcast at a, a gas station as we made fun of South Carolina gas stations, I think, or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. How about that championship game, though? Sam Houston right at the end? Like, that was some fun football there. I I still think they must have cheated to beat the Mighty Jackrabbits, for one thing. I, I don't know how <laughs> any team that spells Bearcats with a K can be awarded a championship of any kind. But on the off chance that it was legit, congratulations to Sam Houston. Apparently, it was very dramatic. What have you. This may come as a surprise to you, but being in – Charleston with my wife this weekend. I did not watch any of the games, so I can't add like mundane like <laughs> details about the special teams coach or <laughs> the guy who transferred from somewhere and did something or the underrated aspect of it. All the annoying things that as I was listening to the pod, I missed. I was like, oh, I would have added here and they would have mocked me like all those opportunities <laughs> uh, lost. So I uh, I salute uh, I salute Casey Keeler, who has lost a lot of national title games. He was like one in six. at He lost a bunch at Rowan. He's one at three, but he's like probably like three and eight in national title games. He, he, I, he, I did not look this up before the pod. Thank God. But like, yeah, yeah but they, they've done. They, yeah, he's done a nice job at Sam and uh, good for good for those guys. There's the layer. There's the family layer right there. You it see, is. see yeah. you came through. I didn't help myself. You yeah. came through. Yeah, perfect. Pete Thamel on vacation. Sources 
Buffalo is hiring UMass defensive tackles coach Cedric Douglas to coach the school's defensive line and be the defensive run game coordinator. Douglas is a former GA for Buffalo defensive coordinator Joe Calton at Arkansas State. Let me just say this. This could be true or this could be completely made up. I have no idea. You could have put any names in there. This could be all made up. <laughs> nobody, nobody other than Mrs. Scouchin or whatever the name is would know. <laughs> You'd be happy to know Kate really rallied around the people on Twitter who were like, dude, I thought you were on vacation. Because I think you, <laughs> you told people, you told our fair listeners on vacations. So there was just like this stream of tweets beneath a few tweets this week that were like, Pete, shut your phone off. Pete, this isn't that important. So yes, our uh, yes, our, our listeners were rallying. And uh, yeah, at one point, Kate was like, are, are you just going to like figure out who the water boy is too? And break that <laughs> Pete Samel. Love her. May 14th. Love Sources. <laughs> Buffalo is hiring Rod Ojung as safety's coach. He comes from the defensive quality control staff at Georgia, has prior experience at Furman and Austin P. <laughs> So was there at any point in time where you like sitting on the beach, like, you know, having a cocktail and all of a sudden, bing, ding, 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 you get the news there and you got to put down the cocktail to, to, to tweet this or when was the news coming in? Yeah, it was, it was coming in intermittently, you know, okay. like the good thing about being on vacation is you're sitting around some, so it's inherent to like, you know, take a phone call here, text message there, you know, that kind of thing. It was not, I was not like sitting with my eyes bug-eyed like waiting anxiously for the for, for the news but i was you know it's, uh, there was there were jobs open and there were jobs being filled and i was just trying to track it as, uh, as much as possible ub thought of ub football what i would say here is uh tell us about the gas the gas situation now oh, yeah. you yeah, yeah. show up in, in, in an outsider shows up at the gas crisis and starts starts crowding depleting the supply <laughs> Outsiders stay home. When the crisis began, I guess when the gas line broke, we were already in North Carolina. We went to South Carolina. And then I was going to I went over to Clemson for a day and I did not want to trust that fine town's gas stations. But I, I that's not a place you want to go with like 28 miles to empty. Right. <laughs> like it's just like there's not going to be a lot of gas options there. So the night before in uh, Traveler's Rest, where my aunt and uncle and 100 uh, year old grandmother live, Kate and I went on a little like expedition to get some gas. Like, so we went to a few stations or some lines. We eventually got it. There was a little bit of an introduction to, uh, to the South for Kate. Cause there was a gentleman in front of us in the line for gas filling up like six or seven, like lawnmower containers of gasoline. <laughs> oh yeah. And he was wearing mesh shorts and I can confirm through sources, you know, nothing to do with the Buffalo football program. These sources can confirm he's wearing mesh shorts and no underwear. Oh. So every time he bent over to uh, fill his tank, there was a, <laughs> we were greeted by a nice Ooh. half moon in the South Carolina night. So there Lovely. was uh, that, that that made it cause some 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 unease. There was just a little patience was required. The drive from Columbia over to Charleston, Sully had just put the pot up, so I had to get some gas while we're, you know, so pulled into a station, I had to wait. It was nothing bad. It was 10, 15 minutes or something like that. And then Kate ran inside to get a drink and I put the pot on and uh, she came out and she was listening and you guys were talking about the gas <laughs> while we were in the gas station, which was very funny. <laughs> and she actually had a like a like a like a moment, like a look in her eye, like, oh, 
I can see why people listen to this. It's kind of funny. Like, oh, my. Like, wow. It's just not like this din of noise coming from the end of the hallway. And uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, that that's basically what the podcast is. Ringing endorsement. Ringing we might have made a breakthrough. We might have earned a new fan. Wow. Hey, we, yeah. need a, we need all the listeners we can get. Yes, yes, we do. Yes. She thought Dan was funny, actually. So I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, some people do, right? <laughs> she needs to listen more often. Then she'll, she'll be brought back to reality. <laughs> Yeah. But the like, irony, I had a Pete, good night, but yeah, the yeah. return to mean, return to mean. <laughs> she nope. quickly lost interest once she started talking about football, randomly talking about football when like purely mundane things that I would have completely enjoyed. I was a little bit jealous. I was like, I have thoughts. I have thoughts on these things. I have thoughts on Cincinnati. Anyway, I, I tweet at us. All right. Well, Pete's out there getting us and other listeners. We appreciate everyone would. I always say this at the end. I don't know how many people listen to the end. I was yeah. like, like, tell Four. your friends, subscribe, mm. all those things. All right. What did you were going to say, Pat? You had something. Just uh, what's the irony that the, uh, the understandable mindset of when you're in Clemson looking out for gas. But the irony is the only famous place in Clemson is the SO Club, which used to be a gas station. But of course, no longer is. So if uh, if you're in Clemson looking for gas, you are you are wise to be on the lookout because it ain't going to be easy. Have you ever eaten at SO? I have not. Right? Mm-mm. You have not. Huh? Now, every every Drake home there. game I've been there, it's been so crowded you couldn't even yeah. get anywhere near anything. You know, sure. Yeah. I have been there as a as yeah. a customer. Yeah, I went to a Clemson game once as a fan. Huh? Yeah, and we went. I was to the SO traffic Club. as a fan because it's brutal. Ooh. We were staying there. We had uh, an RV and oh, an RV. That's that's the way. And then the guy, this? the guy next to our RV, we went to. The, we met him somehow. And we went to the SO. He wanted. He knocked on our door at the RV at like eight in the morning, and 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 was he and wearing he, mesh shorts? Pretty much. <laughs> this was a mesh short guy, and uh, all I remember was he just. We go to the door, and he just looks at me. He goes, "You want to go SO Club?" <laughs> like, like, You'd never like, met him before in your life. Huh? No, nah, I'd met him like the oh, night before. No. Okay, and I was like, "Damn right, I do." Let's go. And that was it. We went to SO Club. Awesome. Um, yeah. It was great. Great bar. But it was very early. I think we were there before the real huge crowd. I guess. If it was 8 a.m. So, he's knocking on your door. Pretty, I don't know when that thing opened. It felt early. Maybe it was because the night didn't end early. So whatever <laughs> what it was. did you go to, Dan? We've not heard of these hijinks. This is, uh, uh, I think they played Florida State back with – this is pre-William Christopher Sweeney. Uh, oh. um, so it was like – this is when they kind of sucked. They were good at drinking. <laughs> but that was they're yeah. they're much better at drinking and running down the hill. But then once they got down the hill, that <laughs> was trouble. Huh? Yeah, that, I don't know what this was. So I think it was a Florida State, and I, I, I do recall. I believe they lost. I don't. I don't really remember. It was a long day. It was so <laughs> it's, it's a long day. Uh, great place to go see a game, though. It I, is. I highly recommend trying to find a way to stay in the town, though, because yeah, yeah, traffic not yeah. good. I mean, if you if you have to go to Greenville, which is like thirty five miles away, and a gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful city, but even then, you're you're asking for thirty five miles of bumper to bumper, uh, no matter what time basically you're going on game day. Were you at the Louisville game, Pat? The Lamar yes, Jackson, just phenomenal yeah. game. That may have been like a five loudest stadium of my lifetime game. Absolutely, yes, yeah. incredibly. Loud. It was visceral. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's an it's an amazing place. I mean, yeah. it is really the it's cl- college football at its classic because it's like this little town in in an area 
there's just no reason to really go there at all. And then there's this just massive football stadium and (laughs) massive thing Mm -hmm. that exists in a place that otherwise nothing should exist. It's basically, yeah, it's, I mean, even you go to like Knoxville or some of the, you know, Columbus, these are like cities. There's something there. Right. No, Columbus, Clemson. And that's, I mean, you know, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but they, they're the ultimate, up from the bootstraps homegrown program. Ipte, I pay 10 a year, was the original booster club, or at least the original successful booster club out there. And that's what they're, they're saying was, I pay 10 a year, you get $10 from every booster, and then 10 becomes, you know, 100, and then it becomes 1,000 or whatever eventually. But but they were, you know, we're going to get every farmer in the upstate and every mechanical engineer and everybody that, you know, runs a store in Greenville and everything, you know, they, they can get them all to pitch in. And that's how they built the place from a, from a football standpoint. Uh, all right. Back to one double a FCS football, because this we had a spring season. This is the topic, the, the college football topic that I am legally bind, bound to, to discuss. Should we have FCS in the spring all the time? Um, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, it, it would, the one thing it would do, I mean, unless like if the FCS schools want to play a small split season, it would take away their chance for the big payday games in the fall. And maybe you do that. Maybe you play two payday games in the fall and then play a season in the spring. Uh, you know, in this day and age where you, you're kind of reinventing everything, you might may want to try that reinvention. I know there was certainly more interest in FCS than there ever had been, but I don't know how much more. Like, I, I don't know the TV ratings and whether there was a demonstrable, you know, interest there that would make this something that everybody's going to say, hey, we, we should look into doing this or not. I, you know, and again, I do know there was a real stretch on FCS level schools in terms of just staffing that and every other spring sport that they were doing at the same time. So that that's a consideration as well. I think they should probably stay in the fall. I, I think about the kid, uh, Azard, uh, who obviously had two touchdowns for Sam, uh, the Howard transfer, really, really good electric little uh, player. So how does he go to the NFL? Like yeah. they're already in mini camps. Like what, like, I don't know how that works. People I'm sure know. It's not like this. Um, I'm the first person who thought of this, but I do think there are rhythms. Do you get more attention as an FCS school if you make the national title game or if you upset a team from Power 5 Conference or even an FBS team? Like, I think for the most part, it's it's probably like a bit of a push, right? It's different. I've always thought there should be more separation. But one of the great things that NCAA does, look at us complimenting the NCAA, is when when they had brought some of the lower division men's basketball games to the final four it's like oh this is the oh, d2 right. this is the d2 game so basketball fans can be around and watch it and it feels like an event it's at a big time arena and it's you know it was already gonna be nationally televised as opposed to like holding it in a you know it was in springfield some years back like 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 now obviously the NCAA doesn't run the uh college football playoffs so there's no way to bring in the fcs into that but i thought just any way you can further separate that and give it its own give it its own place to shine. But I really feel like logistically, if we were moving the FCS to the spring, it would be like for us and not for them, right? It would just be for like us, the lazy consumer and not in the in the best interest of the schools, the fans. Like, what are you going to move homecoming to the spring now? You know, there's just some like normal rhythms of football in the fall that uh, that, that make that make too much sense. Like 
could kids early enrollee after the high school season and start playing again in the in the spring? So um, it's an idea. People have talked about it. I'm I'm a little bit down on it. That might be the most selfless thing this podcast has ever said. The ratings actually for the playoff have not been higher. They've actually been lower. Now, we'll see what the final comes in. I don't have the final game rating. Like the 2019 semis. I mean, it's different games. You don't know the times on these, so it's very hard to compare these. But like 563,000 for Northern Iowa, James Madison, 438, Montana, Weber State. And then you, you look on... The spring ones, North Dakota, James Madison's 251. I mean, that's half the audience. Wow. So uh, they actually been lower now. The semis were a little better uh, for 2021. It's just really hard to compare. Well, and, and James Madison was on ABC, but it still only got 706. It's not like this is drawing in 4 million people or something. I did. Uh, you got to stay in the fall. Uh, there's still something about alumni going back to campus. And it's fall. It's a fall sport. Yeah. Um, if this thing was a just a boom, and and you know, like you had huge numbers, then I'd maybe. But I mean, if you're only adding a little bit, uh, no way. I mean, this would have to be an ass. I I I'd stay in the fall. I don't. I mean, yeah, it gets a little overshadowed, but I don't know how many people are really into it. We could. We're a damn college football podcast, and we couldn't even keep our FCS minute going past <laughs> one week. <laughs> Now we're no. going to champion this thing? Right. Like, come on. No, no, no. No, it's true. I mean, I know I am wired to watch football from August till early January, really to February and through the NFL. But that's, you know, after that, I'm just not wired that way. Like, I never once turned on an FCS game. I may have made some brilliant picks on this podcast, but I never once turned one on because it never occurred to me. It's not something that appealed to me. I will say this, though, on that basketball one. I remember they brought the D2 and D3 championship games to Atlanta. And I, at the final four, and I actually covered them. I went and did a column on, I just, not really the games, but the whole event. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. They had a big crowd in there. The, the kids got uh, to come out uh, at halftime of, at the final four. They got announced. Yeah. It was like we yeah. brought the whole basket. Because there's all these people at a final four that are just wandering around. Mm -hmm. That are like basketball nuts, and they're just there. Maybe they got get tickets to the game. Maybe they don't. And the idea of getting in to go watch one of these games, I thought that was really, really cool. I remember the one of the coaches of D three said the problem is is it extended our season like three weeks. Mm. Like these guys aren't getting anything. Right. Like they yeah. they miss spring break, <laughs> and this is what they get. And so it was kind of cool, but they they weren't really sure this is what they wanted to do, but. I actually thought that was really cool, but I would not move uh, FCS to spring. I would I'd put them back in the fall. Here's my unfounded conspiracy theory, which our podcast specializes in. If ESPN wanted that to happen, they wouldn't have hidden all the regular season games on ESPN Plus. Right. If they were mm. like, this is something we want for spring programming that we think can be a difference maker. I think they would have like thrown it out there on conventional on their conventional channels as opposed to uh, digging it up. I did watch a few games here and there on uh, on plus like if I was going on the you know Peloton or something. I would flip it on and just have it on in the, in the background. I, I didn't watch nearly as much as Sully. I did watch Presbyterian Gardner Webb for the sake of the podcast to uh, mock Dan and Sully during the <laughs> ill-fated Dave Friedman uh, tip, but uh. I, uh, I I did not get that into it 
it, but it was kind of hidden. Like you had to look for it until a certain level of the the playoffs. We we don't really need to bring that game up. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring that game up as often as possible. All right, so you got to sit down with the blue hose coach, Kevin Kelly, Presbyterian. By the way, I said a couple weeks ago that I was consider I'm such a big fan of this hire. I'm thinking about becoming Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> um, that elicited many Presbyterians trying yes. to get me to convert. I, I was flattered because rarely does anyone want me involved in anything that they do. Um, so Did the Pope have to come back and learn about Catholicism. I don't know they- really what's going on. I'm, 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 I've not made a decision. Dan's a religious my- free agent. Yeah. I'm gonna put out a. He's, I'm gonna put out a tweet with twenty logos. On the table. It's gonna Final twenty. You. <laughs> you need a yeah. Tipton edits you know graphic for you with the the Pope and up, everything. Every yeah. religion. Twenty yeah, right. Top twenty. Go. Not Buddhist. taking interviews right yeah. now. Come not on. even from Mike Farrell. Rivals. I will break it on rivals, but not now. I don't know. <laughs> no, no interviews, Dan. No, interviews. no interviews. Respect, Respect our privacy. Respect my decision. I don't want to get the president. I don't, you don't want me. You don't want me. I will be, uh, <laughs> I'll be like transferring out quickly. It'll just be. You don't want me. I'm the not email good. Pat forwarded was great. Oh good, yeah, long great. email from a Presbyterian reverend or oh, minister. I, I many. I, I was like, up. my gosh. All right. I don't know. I just not really. Let's, you know, what do they don't talk about religion on the podcast? I blew that one. <laughs> Here we go. Politics or religion, right? All right. So Kevin Kelly, though, he doesn't believe in punting. Pete, you did sit down. Uh, we have this quote. Everybody says they teach, but yeah. lots of well, matchups. I mean, my guy's got to beat their guy. Yeah. I try to, our whole offense is based on my guy not having to beat your guy, which is what I've got to explain to all these coaches later. I've got my computer hooked up to show them some film to go. Yeah. Oh, they're like, oh, that's what you mean by Because nobody knows what that means. But we didn't have a my guy's going to beat your guy yeah. a lot, you know. Pete, can you translate this for us? Yes, I can. Well, first of all, I asked the athletic director, I said, is Kevin Kelly a Presbyterian? And he was kind of studying. He's like, we didn't ask him because of like verbal laws or whatever, you know, like, like privacy laws. I was like, oh, okay. And then I forgot to ask Kevin Kelly if he was Presbyterian. So, but I'm, I'm going to guess, you know, he does not drink and he does not swear, which are two interesting things. I'm reconsidering everything. Is that well, he's so numerically based. <laughs> That yeah. he had a history of alcoholism in his family, and it's statistically like you're much more likely to be an alcoholic if uh, if one of your parents is. So he just said he's never had a sip of alcohol in his life. So I respect wow. that. That's yeah, wow. and, for and, him. Uh, and he doesn't swear. I didn't really ask him about that. That 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 he wouldn't be able to hang out with us if uh, you know. Right. But well, he, me, he, me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Here's here's like the the takeaways. We can get the football stuff, but just you know you. you you, you you picture an analytics guy who's like a little quirky, right? And you think of high school coaches from Arkansas. You kind of get a little Gus Malzahn in your mind, right? Like like a little high school chemistry teacher-ish, maybe like a little bit bland. Kevin Kelly is not that. He is a like rocked up, self-assured, very confident guy who was like, they put in the mercy rule because of me. We were just talking after. I was like, can I quote you on that? And he was like, well, you can say they might have. It's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so he does not lack self-assuredness. Yeah. He has like big biceps. He's clearly like a, like a weightlifter, bodylifter. And on his left bicep, he has a tattoo of 
all or eight of the nine of his state titles. So there's like some sort of oh Arkansas gosh. symbol in the middle. And then he has like the the, the Roman numerals of the years oh, he's oh, won them all. And he oh said my. it was like a bet with one of his players who was going to go to Georgetown and be a lawyer. He didn't want him to get a tattoo. So he said if they won the state title, he would get a tattoo. And so he has eight of the nine. He still has to fill in the ninth one, but it's going to be it's going to be uneven. And then he said if they if they wanted if they won a national title, he said you you, you damn well know that I'm gonna I'm gonna get one to uh, to commemorate that. Now he said he's not a tattoo guy. I didn't have any before. And then he got it at like 46. He did have some sort of religious tattoo on his other bicep because he sort of felt bad with like the vanity thing. So there was a there was a, a, a religious tattoo on his on his other bicep. But like this is a guy who basically said, I'm going to win in a place you're not supposed to win. And I'm going to do it my way. And F you all. He didn't say this, but like F you all for thinking I'm crazy. I'm going to do it. I'm do it again. He won nine state titles. Like you can't fake nine state titles. Right. So he was he, he's convicted in his beliefs and confident in his beliefs. And he's got like a healthy little uh, a healthy little ego that goes that goes along with that. And like a good in a way that you have to in order to accomplish what he's accomplished. So I left there, uh, and it was funny, too. Like he, was good, he was good company. We had a good conversation. Presbyterian itself, smallest Division One school by enrollment, they told me, 960, uh, 960 people. There is a... Uh, it's not even a yeah, thousand? Holy not even a thousand. Moly. Not wow. even a thousand. Smallest, smallest Division One school. You One can read on Yahoo Sports. One-tenth of the school is the, ba- is the football program, practically. Yeah, that's, you know. They, and so they went... <laughs> Uh, they went non-scholarship uh, in 17, and so they just cycled out. Like the last scholarship guys are pretty much the last guys are uh, cycled out. They're in the same football league as like Butler, Dayton, San Diego, the Pioneer, but uh, the Pioneer Football League. And so I mentioned to the AD about de-emphasizing because I thought like you know like <laughs> taking away scholarships would, would show a lack of emphasis. He like corrected me. He's like, we didn't de-emphasize. We reallocated expenses. We have to travel more in this. I was like, mm, okay. That's jargon, AD jargon. Speak for call you. it what you yeah. want, but yeah. I'm going to call it de-emphasizing because <laughs> that would show a lack of emphasis on it. But I left there thinking like, what a brilliant hire. Like I would never sit sure. in the windowless Presbyterian football office, right? Like they're in the big South in basketball. So I sat in their gym between interviews, kind of waiting and like there's ads for like Bojangles, Ag Farm Credit Carolina <laughs> on the wall. You know what I mean? Hey man, if you're gonna have the world looking at this place, like you might as well be for like a good positive reason. He's an interesting guy. He he certainly isn't gonna like shy away from like, like this is this has been a two decade journey of where he's done it his way. So I, I left there more intrigued than when I uh, when, when I walked in. I thought the most interesting thing. So we talked about he's he's going to do exactly what he did, which is essentially not punt, and he's going to onside kick until he's up twenty one. The the same stuff that he did uh, he did in high school. His math basically says, or his database says, if you can if you can recover sixteen percent of your onside kicks, it's a strategic advantage. So one of every five and a half. He had a woman kick for him in high school who he recruited off the women's soccer team, who got thirty percent of the onside kicks, and he's like. You can wow. run the play you want. You can have the best hands team. You can have this guy. He's like, it's the kick. Trust me, I've done it a lot. It's the kick. They, they have 10 different onside kicks. They have plays. They have motions. Like, the onside kick is like a thing. One thing, too, is that the other team has to spend a ton of time on onside kicks, which means they're not practicing in your offense. They're not practicing That's, your defense. Like, yeah. a, lot of it, a lot of it makes sense. But uh, his offense was also, like, top 10 in the country in high school. I think he said 15 in the last 16 years. So he's a, he's a, he's an excellent play caller gifted at that. And I was like, well, well look, is it vertical? Is it horizontal? And he's like, you know, I'd call it intermediate the way he looks at 
he thinks pass defense is the single hardest thing to do in football. The second is tackling in space. The hardest is that. And he said, if you have to guard 40 yards down, seven people have to guard 40 yards down, 52 yards across, that's basically like X thousand square feet. And then every of seven people have to a couple hundred square. He's like, that's really hard to do. So he thinks vertical routes are too low of percentage to base your offense on it. He never had the athletes to really do short game bubbles and tunnels because you need the Percy Harvinish like jitterbugs, and he didn't have those. So he felt like in front of the safeties was the best way to get chunk players, which is 20 yards. And he thinks one of the biggest indicators of winning games from his data is plays of 20 yards or more. So he always wants the players to be moving, catching the ball in front of the safeties to give them the opportunity. He said, you will not find hardly any stationary plays in our playbook. You know, like in the NFL, like they go to they go to the marker and they sit in, in the middle of the zone and whatever. He said, we don't do that. The player's always moving when he does do that. And part of it is the the quote we heard earlier, the my man, your man. Like he didn't have the personnel to just go win a one-on-one matchup. So he throws them out in this intermediate abyss of square yardage where it's hard to guard them, runs them around and gets guys the ball. So that's probably like two hours. It was one of the most interesting football conversations I've ever had just because it was just completely different. Like he looks at football completely different than anyone I'd ever met. So I did not convert at the end of it, uh, like religion wise, but I, but I am, uh, I, I, I think it's going to work. I left there thinking like, this guy's going to do it, man. Like he's going to be just interesting enough. Kids are going to want to play for him, especially on offense. I mean, can you imagine the onside kick specialist diving in the portal right now to, uh, to go kick there? <laughs> there are such things. There are onside so. kick specialists. <laughs> I, uh, and if I there's ex- long snapper camps, like uh, it's not that far. Yeah. Yeah. I had done a few Kevin Kelly columns through the years and I found him to be absolutely fascinating and all of his different, you know, con- and you're right. He has a 100% belief in what he's doing. There is no like, well, you know, maybe this works or yeah, this is kind of, this is what we try. It is straight up. Of course you'll try, uh, you know, the opportunity to create a turnover is greater than the loss of field position, right? That used to always say that that's why you onside kick every time. People are, these guys are all wrong. And, it, and there's a little bit of like, they kind of overplay it in that Moneyball movie. But, you know, it's like a little bit of that Moneyball thing. Like when uh, Jonah Hill's character just basically is like, tells Billy Bean, like, you're doing it all wrong. Just straight up. He's the he's the college, you know, intern or something I, for the Cleveland and, and Billy Bean show. You know, they kind of manufacture this weird scene. But all of a sudden, he's just basically telling... The, the GM of the A's, you're, you're all a bunch of idiots. But, you know, there it is. And so, I don't know. I bet this is successful, and I bet he's, he moves up uh, quickly because it's like all you need to do is is get people to start believing. Gus Malzahn was once considered a kook from from Arkansas. Oh, yeah. 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 And then also he got to Arkansas State, and then boom, there we go. Like, it's like it can happen really quick. And so this is just your latest one. But it, it is, I mean, it's something different. Why not? Oh, I, I will tell uh, Reverend Barrett Abernethy from Sandy Springs, Georgia, that we are <laughs> we are considering at least a football conversion. He was, the, he was our emailer who gave, us, gave me a very nice kind of rundown of what Presbyterians believe. Uh, so we are, we are considering at the very least a football conversion. We'll see about the rest of it. Dan, Dan again, is wide open to everyone. He's entertaining home <laughs> visits from from all denominations. I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm, I I love love for everyone. Love for everyone here. <laughs> is there a Presbyterian Christian Dawkins that can drop Dan a bag of money? And convert? 
Only got a few official visits. When you're going to Vatican, you know, you got you got the Vatican (laughs) visit. You got the Presbyterian visit. It's going to be tough. Hey, Presbyterian and USA headquarters are in Louisville, so I might be able to check and see if they can get anybody, you know, to to help Dan, hook Dan up. Well, I was going to leave on on the – Kevin Kelly on this thought, like I frame it in in my story on Yahoo as an experiment, right? Like this is like a football experiment. And he had a really good answer when I, when I asked about that, he said, you know, and he wasn't mad. He was like, people have used that word over and over and I get it. I'm not upset or frustrated or anything about it. It is what it is to people. Perception matters. And that's the perception. But for me, it's not an experiment for me. It's a way to teach the players here. And maybe the people are watching that there are a lot of different ways to do things to be successful, even if it's not traditional and not accepted. And I thought that was a polite way for him to be like, you and your experiment can go pound sand. Like, this isn't an experiment. This is what got me here. So this isn't some like kooky guy. Like this works, it has worked, and it will work. But I thought that kind of summed him up in a uh, in a good way. Speaking of of payments, uh, the Zion Williamson payments. Oh yeah, this story is phenomenal. Yeah, man, I don't want to. It, it's tax day. Let's just say that there's some people at the. <laughs> it's tax day. Yeah, new docs in a. It's a. It's a lot. The Brian Bowen lawsuit. Brian Bowen is given more gold to college basketball for a guy who never actually played a game. <laughs> I don't know anyone who never played a game that's provided more. Anyway, there's a lawsuit, Brian Bowen versus Adidas. These are some some reports from uh, Jason Riley from Louisville from WDRB, and he's got the court documents here. I, I mean, Adidas is paying Zion's family. Also, there's all sorts of wire transfers, as much as 3000 a month. This is for Adidas that didn't even sign with, all these different things. But the my favorite one uh, here is that... Uh, Chris Rivers, who's the Adidas executive, uh, paid the family of Zion Williamson by laundering money from Adidas through another company he controls. For example, Rivers made payments to the Ashley Furniture Store credit account (laughs) held by Zion's stepdad. (laughs) So great. (laughs) They were running money through an Ashley's (laughs) Furniture Store credit account. Maybe he was behind on like a sectional or an end table or something, you know, and this is a way to pay it off. And we got people out here telling we can't do name, image, and likeness. And we got a dude laundering money through a furniture store. The official furniture store of Duke basketball. (laughs) Is it? No, no, I'm just no, but it might as well be now. If you were going to funnel money through a piece of furniture, what would you what what would you do? I think an ottoman would would work well. Um, I would think a Murphy bed. You could you could stash some money in. Um, Yeah, like there's 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 a lot of good options. So what like what was he doing? Were they getting furniture? Were they able to just like go and get like a cash rebate? I mean, do the, do the Williams just I, have a massive amounts of furniture? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they had that nice house and that nice subdivision in uh, Durham. You know, they had, they, you got to furnish that somehow. And by the way, yeah, maybe when the when the delivery truck pulls up and you check the the cushions of the couch, oh, there's an extra it's five not- grand in there as well. Right. Shit. You never know. <laughs> I thought it was like there was a laundering piece to it, Dan, right? From what I read today, and I did not study these court documents. Um, uh, there was another bit where uh, they were transferring it through uh, another company, In Your Eye Sports. I, don't, I mean, this is money laundering, isn't it? Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Money laundering with laundering with like washing machines. <laughs> 
The delightfully named in your eye sports. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff here about, and we always wondered exactly how Chris Rivers, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people at Adidas got, uh, got, got in this thing. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rivers did not. I don't know. Uh, and then how the hell the Nike guys whistled by the, uh, <laughs> the police it's, station on this. I don't know. Uh, it's astounding. But, um, because let me put it this way. If you're, if you're running, thousands of dollars a month through the furniture store amongst other places and you don't get him <laughs> yeah uh, how much is going uh, through the work? appliance store from nike exactly how's that work oh yeah. he picked a nike school and he ended yeah. up signing with nike yeah but adidas he... gave him all the money but only adidas that's right mm. the account at best buy is a nike account and so that's where <laughs> the money really is I, I mean, it, it, I could care less. Zion Williamson was worth every freaking penny. And, okay, there's no outrage here. But I will say this. Like, it's something about Duke. It's just like, well, uh, I mean, if it's a, I hate the bit where, like, fans go, oh, they pick on us. But but they let the – that's well, kind of, though, with Duke. Like, <laughs> well, what? <yeah. laughs> like, I mean, if this is a – this is a Jerry Tarkanian story. It's legend, right? Tarkanian oh, yeah. buying recruits to a furniture store, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, it, it, you know. Uh, but they didn't get him, I guess. So what? Did, I mean, I don't think Duke had anything to do with this, but the kid went to Duke. I, I mean, Duke wasn't working with Adidas to get this, so I no. Uh, but again, or Ashley. Like, what did it take to turn down Adidas and all the money they had been funneling to him? Probably a lot. And the other thing. You know, as you alluded to with Duke, it's this is like part three or four with Zion. We had the Mar uh, Marvin Bagley stuff. We had, yeah. I mean, there's been there's been a lot of Duke smoke through the in recent years, and even going back to to not recent years. And for some reason or another, they continue to uh, scoot along. I did have somebody who's familiar with this particular case said, I would imagine Duke has some real heartburn. But then they also said the only issue is the NCAA ain't done nothing. Yes, but they're going to do something soon. They promised. Oh, yeah. Right? Soon. Yep. Very soon. Very, very soon. They haven't even punished Memphis yet for playing <laughs> in that U.S. <laughs> playing Wiseman in that U.I.C. Right. Game, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this. Duke. Duke's not going to use Ashley Furniture. Nothing wrong with Ashley Furniture, but I, Duke's going to go like Ethan Allen or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to yes. go. Pottery sure. Barn. Totally. Pottery, pottery Barn. barn. I, I think Ethan Allen, which sounds like the name of a Duke walk-on, got to be the way they would go. You know? <laughs> five eleven gel. Like, yeah, 5'11 yeah. guard from the Hun school whose dad, you know, is a <laughs> multi-billionaire who gave, you know, has the chemistry department named after him at Duke. Just happened to get a chance to play in the old team. <laughs> yeah. Right? Isn't that the thing? Like, you always want one of the rich boosters kids on your team because then he yeah. can buy all the stuff. Yeah. Because teammates can't commit extra benefits. So it's like. Uh, Ethan Allen as a Duke walk-on is one of the great lines in our pod. That's, Ethan that's, Allen. <laughs> Definitely Duke walk on. Yeah, I don't know what great story. So I, I mean, the 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 Williams's family was allegedly just finding every every which route there. But go on and keep defending amateurism. Everyone wants to believe this isn't true. This is going to ruin it. Anyone can make a dollar. That's right. That's right. I just rather we'd be able to get the money up front, not have to launder it through a furniture account. <laughs> exactly. 
Like if he knew Zion's stepdad, you're going to the furniture store again this week? Why do you go over there so much? I just got to check in, check my account. What? Need a throw rug. How? <laughs> I don't know how to transition to this, but we wanted to let you talk a bunch about this, Pete. We all were uh, uh, saddened by the death of uh, Colt Brennan, the mm. uh, Hawaii quarterback icon legend and i don't you don't just say that too often but all of us uh, college football junkies of a certain age watch colt brennan throw for fifty thousand yards a season at late night uh the 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 last call hawaii rainbow games uh on uh passed away uh, tragically at 37 uh he's he's number two all time in in the history in, in passing yards per game uh, in FBS, number five in career passing TDs, number eight in career passing yards. Like the fact he's still ranking up there compared to, yeah. oh, the, from, it's just an incredible. Yeah, 12 to 15 years ago or whatever. At the yeah. end of his three-year career at Hawaii, he had he owned or was tied for 31 NCAA records. Woo. Just straight offense. Pete, you, I think you did a bunch of stories on Cole Brennan. I did. I and again, you always hesitate to. I hadn't talked to Cole Brennan probably in like five years, but in in 07, I went out to Honolulu and I went out to California, spent some time with his family there, and then I went out to Honolulu and spent a couple of days with uh, with with Colt. It was one of the big stories for the uh, college preview at the uh, at the New York Times back in uh, back in 07, and it was a complicated story. There was no there was no other way to say it. From being on the ground in Hawaii there got an appreciation for what Colt Brennan meant to that area and that state. And I really learned a lot about the Hawaiian culture through, uh, through, through Colt Brennan. I always remember that he always, he would, he would leave the, he would leave the field after games and wave to his probation officer. Cause he had had an incident at Colorado. They ended up getting pled down, which is why he ended up going to Hawaii. And he walked on there. He was a complicated guy, but I really felt like being there and seeing how he interacted with the community and how people felt about him. He was easily the most recognizable person in the state. You know, maybe the governor or somebody like that. Or it, yeah, it was it was a remarkable moment in time. Hawaii, a dynamic team to watch, and they were so ahead of the curve on offense. June Jones was the coach. <laughs> June Jones would answer his cell phone during practice. I remember that. <laughs> like, all occasionally, it's like a time difference. And, and June Jones obviously had brought the run and shoot there, and had a tremendous affinity for the uh, for the state, and brought him to uh, brought him to unprecedented heights. I remember uh, one of the nights I was there, going out to dinner with Cole Brennan, and he uh, said, "Hey, bring like one or two of your receivers along," and he brought all of the Hawaii receivers because he didn't want him to be left out. I felt a little awkward because I was going to pick up the tab and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Devon Bass, who was, a, who was a pretty good NFL receiver, was was the best receiver there at the time. There were, you know, Hawaii was as loaded as Hawaii could be. One or two of the linemen uh, ended up playing in the NFL. They went undefeated that year. They had a couple like, you know, Two post two a.m. miraculous comeback type games that were that were sort of just the the, the buzzy type of games that that they that got them the momentum. I believe it was the year before Utah had busted the BCS. That was 04. and then I want to say Boise did it in one of the subsequent years when they went and beat Oklahoma. So that became the thing. Now. I, I think you were probably at that game too, Pat. They ended up playing Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, a very good Georgia team, and it just got thumped. Yeah, Steamrolled, yeah. Yes. But like it was uh, it was just a remarkable moment for a place that had no resources, for a place that had little tradition. Colt Brennan catapulted 
Hawaii to a new echelon and the island, the islands, I should say, just completely loved him. And he operated with a manner of humility that was really respectful and had completely ingratiated himself with the with the people there. It was it was a very neat thing to see. I knew he had battled some some drug issues in past years. There had been a story or two about his arrests. Last time I talked to him was a handful of years ago. It was he came back, you know, allegedly the NFL had said he was going to be a second round pick. Um, I reread some of my stories after he passed just to, to, to kind of remember some details and, you know, June Jones was was very confident he was going to be the first quarterback picked in the draft. He ended up being a later round pick by the Redskins and never really uh, never really ended up with, uh, with with too much of a career. But I'd I'd call it about like going back, you know, when you have a chance to go to the NFL and what it was like. It was some college quarterback was entering the season in that mode. Anyway, I called I, Colts number had changed. I called his dad. His dad remembered me. I got on the phone with him. We had a nice conversation. It, it was pleasant and uh, yeah, it just it's it's. I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know anything that that happened around the around the death, but it appeared from the reports there was some sort of an addiction involved, and he had been he had been treated for it. It was, uh, you know, very sad. Like it's hard to overstate what a big deal he was in Hawaii at that time. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, one of the quotes I saw from his father after the news was passing was to the effect he said he spent one too many nights on the dark side. So some some real sadness there, you know. Uh, all right, I want to get to this. YouGov, YouGov, the polling firm. Uh, they did a poll. They took a poll, which is what pollers do, April 12th to 13, 2021. And uh, a number of alert listeners immediately sent it to us, thought we would be interested in this. Uh, here was the question they asked uh, the American public, uh, men and women. So we have, a, we have a gender breakdown right here. Which of the following animals, if any, do you think you could beat in a fight if you were unarmed? <laughs> could you win a fight unarmed against this animal okay now i don't know if it's a fight to the death it's just a a, 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 i mean i'm not what are the what how is the fight won is my first question you gotta punch it in the pacemaker are there judges like three judges like a vegas judges knockout death what are we talking about i don't know let me do this over under over under or, or make a guess, what percent of men think they could win a fight unarmed against a rat? A rat. <laughs> I, they have not said it's a Brooklyn rat. We went through this during the pandemic. Remember the rats? Oh, oh, yeah, the, the battle rats, right? That were out the there battle rats, storming Brooklyn the streets. Brooklyn rat could kick every yeah. country rat's ass. Like, there's no, I mean, I don't think it's fair. But this general rat, Pat Forty, how many American men Think they could beat a rat in a fight? One on one, man versus rat. Yes. Okay. I'm going to say 99.8% because American men absolutely can do. They do not respect the rat, Dan. They do not respect the opponent. So I'd say. Pete, what do you? What's your prediction? I think about Splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like as you know, like the highest form of the of of the rat. Wasn't he a rat? I'm gonna just say like some some American men just wouldn't want to deal with the rat and then run the other way. So I'm just gonna say it's like 88. percent And okay, if it's Splinter, he's tough. Way overconfident. It's only 76 percent of American men think they could beat a rat in a fight. Really? What the f is going on in this country? <laughs> now Americans I, going if, soft. If, 
If I see a rat, I'm going the other way. I am not interested in fighting a rat, being really? near a rat. Well, what if you have to? What if you're in the ring but with the rat? They have set up thing. the match. If- Your manager agreed to the fight, so you are contracted. You have to fight the rat. I'm winning the fight. Okay. Uh, the fight. The bat. The rat may bite me. The rat may get a <laughs> shot in or two. They're very quick. <laughs> but if I'm inside the cage, yeah. we're getting octagon going. Dana White, let's do it. I got to fight the rat. I'm going to win the fight somehow. Okay. Eventually, okay. I'm going to win the fight. Come on. You can't yes. beat a rat. No, I, I agree. What That's are why these people I'm, doing? The Americans gone soft if it's that low a percentage. This is disgraceful behavior. All right. <laughs> how about this one? We're going to go back and forth. You can each do a prediction. Okay. I go, okay. Those are two predictions I want. Pat, let's go to you here. Okay. How many American men think they could beat a house cat in a fight? <laughs> uh... House cat tougher than a rat, I'm going to say. You know, claws, fangs, quicker. You can just ju- jump up and just take your eyes out. But still, I would say most American men believe that ultimately, yes, you grab the cat, you know, eventually you you beat the cat. So I'm going to say 86.7%. 74. Bunch oh of wimps, too. Oh More goodness. than a quarter of American men think a cat can beat them in a fight? We're pessimistic as a gender. Terrible. Only sixty-four percent of women like, admire Pat's ability to like break down <laughs> mundane things yeah. in detail. Like what? he can really go the extra mile when like breaking down like like the the house cat matchup. You know, <laughs> he doesn't give you like the just like the generic like USA Today box breakdown. He gives you like the pro football focused house oh, cat yeah. like breakdown. So he's the I Kevin Ioli of man versus animal fights. He is the Kevin yes, Ioli great yes, company. Yes. <laughs> All right, I don't know how you wouldn't win a fight against a house cat. I mean, again, they're going to get it's a fight. You're going to get hit. Yeah, you're going to get scratched, but eventually you're going to get your hands on this thing. This is just just, I'm just embarrassed. All right, (laughs) Pete, how many think they could beat a goose? If you fought a goose, could you win the fight? Ooh. Goose, the geese can have some mean streak now. You know, yeah. there's, there's, oh, they can yeah. fly, they can go in water. Like there's some different settings the they could really, uh, they could really huh? come in. I don't know. There are three cones like Pat would to break this down, <laughs> but I really feel like, I really feel like we're going to be like in the in the mid 60s here. I, I think the geese are going to scare off some, uh, are going to scare off some men. They're amphibious ways. Their wings. 65.8 percent. We're a little more confident. 71% think they could beat a goose, but uh, really? only 51% of women think they could defeat a goose in a fight. I don't – kind of uh, weird gender breakdown. Mother um, goose. They know mother goose was a badass. Mother goose. So, you know. All right. Pat, let's say you're fighting an – if you're fighting an eagle, an Ooh, eagle. No. Could you win the fight? No. And what no. percent of men think they could? No, the eagle, first of all, would absolutely <laughs> rip your eyes out. But beyond that, like if you're a small enough guy, they'll just come down and pick you up and carry you off and drop you to your death. Because they are <laughs> they are big and their talons are strong. They are. How much can they carry? They can carry big things. <laughs> big things. They can. Get big fish, small rodents, not, not even small rodents. I mean, I'm telling you. You get a small enough dude out there, you know, some little like 140 pound bantam dude out there. No, they'll, they'll pick him up and take him out. They're gone. 
the hipster eagle has no chance. I mean, that's like eagle. that's like Manny Pacquiao <laughs> size. You're saying an eagle could beat Manny Pacquiao? A me, an eagle could beat Manny Pacquiao. Absolutely, could beat all How the rest of us eagle? too. That's the question. I, you, you I don't no, know that you, you can have beat no strategic the eagle. advantage uh, over the eagle. You can't get without it. a gun. I don't know how you beat Bob the eagle. Bob and weave. Uh, you'd have I, to you'd have to grab a wing and get lucky and get real and lucky. Just mm. pummel it. Get it ground yeah. and pound. Ground and pound. <laughs> 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 Only way to get the eagle. <laughs> I say, I that's one probably American males are way overconfident, and it's going to be like 28% think they can beat it, and there's only about 4% that can beat the eagle. 38% of American men think they can be defeat an eagle. They're wrong. Only 23% of women. All right, Pete, the King Cobra. The King Cobra <laughs> comes at you in a fight. Could you defeat the King Cobra? Now, is that the I, squeeze one? That's not the... That's not the Venom guy. That's the squeezer, right? Yeah, yeah no, the no, rapper. it's the Venom. The no, 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 no. King Cobra is the, the big guy on the block. He is the biggest <laughs> and is very venomous and is eight and foot ven- long. Yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, he's the striker, not the squeezer. Right. So he could squeeze or venom you. Yeah, I hate snakes, by the way. I should probably just admit that up front. So I didn't like thinking about fighting a King Cobra because I would, yeah, I would. I would run the other way like the metaphorical 140-pound hipster. Oh, it's highly yeah. venomous. Highly venomous. Yeah, it's highly venomous. I, I think it's only, gonna win. only yeah. 13% of American men, all of whom are dumb, think they could beat <laughs> the King Cobra. 23% of men think they could defeat the King Cobra. Come on. Only 8% of women, but I'm going to tell you what. I I don't want to meet if them. If I was a single <laughs> yeah. man, I would want to meet them. That That's an interesting 8% of the populace that thinks... Uh, <sighs> the boom. only person who could beat the King Cobra is Archie Moore, the old boxer whose nickname was the Mongoose. And if you read Ricky Ticky Tavi, I think it was, the Rudyard Kipling thing where the Mongoose fights the Cobra, Mongoose wins. So that's it. Archie Moore's our only hope. Okay, so... <laughs> When Jake, Archie Moore. when Jake Paul fought last, they had uh, Snoop Dogg as one of the announcers, and he was high <laughs> as a kite, and his analysis was better than whatever Patches gave. <laughs> okay, that was the worst comment. Rudyard hey. Kipling? Yeah. All Try right. reading right. something, Dan. Come on. I'm reading this YouGov poll. Uh, Wait, who paid YouGov to do this? They are stealing money. <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of poll is this? It's I don't know. <laughs> These guys... The kangaroo. Anyone from Guntown, by the way? We heard from Guntown kangaroo. Mm. We have not heard from that kangaroo. Could you beat a kangaroo in a fight? Could you do it? And what percent of people think they can? I'm going to say we're way overconfident versus the kangaroo. I'm going to say it's like 45%. But I'm telling you, kangaroos are mean. I remember with the Sydney Olympics, they had some in these like penned in areas by the media housing and they would tell us do not go near them you can look at them but do not go near them they will attack you so uh yeah i avoided them uh and i think we should all avoid them so i i do not think we can beat the kangaroo but 45 percent of american males do think we can i saw a video on youtube of a guy punching a kangaroo in the face and then backing away really yeah, there was a the kangaroo was threatening his kid, and he he did punch the kangaroo, but the kangaroo did not budge. That's <laughs> no. the I mean, so I don't know how you think you can beat seventeen percent of American men yeah. think okay. they can defeat a kangaroo. Eleven percent of women again. Who are these? All right, women? <laughs> all right. ladies. Amanda Nunez, all of them. Yeah, Amanda Nunez is the only one <laughs> who could maybe beat the kangaroo. Uh, all right, we'll go to this one. Uh, Pete, uh, where this is just getting silly now. The gorilla. Could you defeat a gorilla in a fight? (laughs) 
I mean, I'm sure if you guys think they could outsmart the gorilla, right? Like a banana in the tailpipe situation I think, or no, something. No, I think like the guys that, that think know, they like, can <laughs> outsmart the gorilla cannot outsmart the gorilla. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's it's like, what percentage do you want here? It's like the percentage that actually could or the percentage we think they can. I don't I would know. think 8% of American men could think they could beat a gorilla in a fight. 9% do. Oh, my bad. Well called. Well called. A yeah. gorilla. I would know the gor- gorilla's wind share, you know. Is, uh, <laughs> gorilla absolutely shreds and destroys all of us. We're a gorilla can get up to 1.8 meters and weigh up to 270 kilograms. What is the? Come on, Wikipedia. Give me English. <laughs> 270 kilograms these. like 500 pounds, isn't it? I mean, it's like an athletic Ted Washington. <laughs> I've seen him at the zoo, and that is not something you want to mess up. All right. No. The arm span can get to eight foot six. I mean, yeah, come right. on. Yeah. That boxing reach is important, right? They got the reach. 595 Ooh. pounds, by the way, is a 270-pound. A nose tackle isn't even the right. It's like two nose tackles. Yeah, Fi- right. Imagine exactly. getting punched with a 595-pound person <laughs> punching you from eight feet away. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Not going to happen. All right. All right. <laughs> Again, silly season here. Nine percent thought they could win it. Uh, Pat, the elephant, the mm. elephant. Okay, could you defeat an elephant in a fight if you were unarmed? What? All right, here's we're gonna get some analysis here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> How old is That's the elephant? for the Discovery Channel. It all matters what the age of the elephant is. If it's a young elephant, I we got a chance here. Because young elephants don't know how big they are. Baby elephants do have no idea how big they are. And that's where they can be very easily trained and told what to do and bossed around by humans. Then they become big, you know, adult elephants are like, wait a minute, I can kick your ass. And they go squash anybody that gets in their way. You know, I mean, so if you get it young, I like our chances. You get a little, you know, one that's up, you know, at least teenage or adolescent or older than that. Nah, we're dead. Can't imagine teenage elephants are good listeners. (laughs) <laughs> they're smart 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 elephants smart animals four percent dan four percent four percent uh no nine percent i think uh what nine percent of american men and eight percent of american women <laughs> think they uh, can defeat an elephant you don't stand they, a chance is that like a biker rally i don't know like, I, mean, it's, it's like, women. I always say there's ten percent the, the polls are always there's ten. I always said like ten percent of Americans think that we should sell Kansas to like some other country. Like you come up with anything, just what, what stupid idea could you come up with? Uh, could you beat an elephant in a hell yeah? Could ten percent of Americans are drunk or high at all moments when they're who else is answering the phone? Yeah, who you the come. number of people taking this poll? According to this, an elephant can weigh up to 7.6 short tons. I don't know what that means short either. What's the These things short are so big. Time. I don't even know how to. Yeah. I don't even know. There are there are video again on YouTube. You know, I go down these rabbit holes every once in a while. <laughs> there are elephants with like three lions on their back. Fighting oh, yeah. them, like right. fighting just, a pack of lions and the elephant has no problem just brushing them off. You, uh, These things are enormous. I, I've been to Africa. I've seen the elephant. 
Uh, huge. Not and and the circus. I've been to the circus too. Uh, <laughs> all right, now here we go. The uh, I, I'm just I'll skip this one. The lion, same almost same numbers, eight percent and seven. What I want to know who the person is. Actually, American men, eight percent of American women think they can defeat a lion, wow. but only seven percent of American men. <laughs> well, I don't get that. But like, who's the guy that's like elephant? Oh yeah, I could take that lion. No, yeah, <laughs> can't do the lion. Couldn't do the line. Uh, I mean, what? All right. Last one. What percent? This is the biggest mismatch probably on earth. The grizzly bear. The grizzly oh. bear against man. Uh, <laughs> is it like 747? Your your guy from Fat yeah. Bear Week? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Go try stealing his dinner. Yeah. <laughs> this is you, Pete. You get the last one here, right? Oh, I get the yeah, last Pete, one. Yeah, I go mean, ahead. What are your the notion please? of defeating a grizzly bear is preposterous right it's like a it's like a it's like a three-year-old uh making a college football team like it just makes there's just, like, there's, it's they can weigh 800 pounds they can weigh 800 yeah. pounds yeah it's yeah like there's just there you you can't even like grizzly takes one swat at your face with that big huge paw with the claws and you're it's over you're done yeah decapitation no, no there's straight no. decapitation and they've got you seen them pluck the fish out of the the salmon out like they can hit the yeah. speed bag oh. too. These are not just power. Yeah. <laughs> they got good hands. They, they will try to get a humpback whale. They kill seals. <laughs> they kill sea lions. <laughs> sea yeah. lions. Yeah, we're a we're a pig in a blanket to them. Like, <laughs> like pop that up wouldn't... like a junior. They pop us like junior moons. Seven percent of America. Four percent of America is dumb enough no, to think they no, can beat a group. Seven. We're dumber than seven. you think. Six oh percent well, of American a, a women. Seven percent, or someone just got sick of the survey and kept hitting yes. Like, <laughs> can we just say this is like the worst poll of all time? I mean, like, <laughs> YouGov, what are you doing? What? Oh, I just can't believe they actually spent the time or someone's money to do this. And what does this have to do with the gov? Like YouGov, yeah. right? Isn't this like something <laughs> pol- political or something? I don't. What is YouGov? Could also ask what it has to do with the college football podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Actually, <laughs> 24% of us are total wimps, but then six, 7% of us are total idiots. So I don't know which side I'd want to be on, but I think I could take the rat and the house cat. I could probably take the goose. Yeah. Uh, after that, though, it starts getting ugly. Um, but the grizzly, no. No. No, no, no. All right. No. All right. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> Talk Some more best there. stuff right there, bro. Right, we're be, hey, we thought we were only doing one this week. I think we're doing two now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. I think we're so flush with the success of this pod that we, we got to yeah, do it again. Yeah, this one went so well. This one went so well. All right. Talk to you all later. Bye.